All right, welcome back to CX in the Wild. Today I have a special guest, Jason Highland. We're going to be talking about the new patent and innovation that's happening over at Collaboration Room. This isn't just about remote work. It's about revolutionizing our customer experience teams connect, thrive, and deliver in a fast and a digital first world. Together, we'll discover the secret ingredient collaboration room is cooked up to supercharge engagement, productivity, and security like never before. Oh, my God. I love these intros. ChatGPT <laughs> is so amazing. But in all seriousness, Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dennis. I'm excited to be here, man. I've seen your podcast many times. Sometimes you have like a party on here with like, you know, five, six, seven people. Uh, I'm excited that you and I just get to sit here and chat together today. Awesome. Jason, why don't we just start out by telling the audience who you are and what you do? All right. Well, we'll start with who I am. Uh, I'm Jason Highland. I am an Indiana kid, but I live in Phoenix. Uh, so whenever anybody asks me where I'm from, it's still always the Hoosier State. Let's see here. I'm, I'm married. Um, my wife and I consider ourselves non-breeders. So we have fur babies running all around our house. We've got cats and dogs. And uh, we really look at those as our, our kids. She's actually out there with them right now doing her best not to let them bark. But we all know that they're going to. All it takes is an Amazon guy or a bird. Really, that's, that's the extent of it. Um, I like to hike. I'm kind of a gym rat, um, but I love uh, I love technology. So I've spent a lot of my career working with contact centers in the technology world. I've been working with contact centers mainly on the first and third party collection side up until the last year or two. Uh, so it's been it's been 22 years, Dennis. 22 years I've been working with contact centers. Wow, and a lot is it's starting to change rapidly. It's not like a uh, not like a slow slow burn. It's like there was a lot of uh, continuity, and then boom, a lot of change happening in this industry. You know what? What always fascinates me about people who have been in the business for a while. We've seen. Like, the, do you remember back before the internet hit how we used to do things? Hey, look, I didn't have the internet while I was in college. I know that's dating me, but I still, I, I remember doing my papers with like microfish and microfilm. And I try to explain that to my brothers who are 21 years younger than me. And I mean, they might as well, they think we sat around with like rocks and sticks to start fires. So yes, Practically long story short, I remember <laughs> the, the microfish, it's like our big technology move was small. Yeah. We had small. Like, but, yeah. but, but then we had, so we had the internet come, we had e-commerce, we had the mobile phones come, and now we've got this thing, AI. It's, mm -hmm. it's just rapidly accelerating our relationships between each other and technology. And in the business context, Collaboration Room is really kind of uh, at the forefront of that, if I'm not mistaken. And and I want to couch that and be humble. I, just, I say if I'm not mistaken, because I think that I get around and I haven't seen a lot of people doing what you do, but mm -hmm. it feels like you're at the forefront of this and, and, and you also just got a patent. So... Uh, 
Tell me about this frontier you're on. Sure. So I guess I got to take a, a quick step back and take you back to 2020. I, I know nobody wants to go back to 2020, but just for the sake of the story here. So our CEO. Drama right yeah. at the beginning of the podcast. Yes. All right. Imagine 2020, February 28th, right before all hell breaks loose. So our CEO, Samir, at the time was the CIO of a 6,000-seat contact center up in Washington State. And they did, um, you know, customer service and collections for a lot of different organizations, government, retail, student loan, financial services. So you can only imagine, like most of the people that are watching this in the in the audience, you know, when he had to all of a sudden one day move all 6,000 agents plus admin, every, everything to home, take, take an entire infrastructure and move it. And he, he was a very operational CIO, uh, which can be dangerous. But uh, so soon after he started talking to the agents, it was like, well, when everybody comes back, um, what changes would you like? And he noticed that a lot of them started laughing at him, kind of giggling at him. They're like, what do you mean when everybody comes back? We're not coming back. <laughs> you know, we like this. Uh, we save money. We have a better lifestyle. And quite honestly, if the company makes us come back, we'll just go to the next company, you know, next contact center that'll let us work from home. So out of self-preservation for him and his company, he decided they needed a platform that could manage or essentially mirror the contact center environment, but deploy it and work from home. So, so to more or less make all of these uh, home offices feel like people were on a contact center floor again, so that his company would feel comfortable with work from home, so their clients would feel comfortable with work from home, and then they wouldn't have to watch their recruitment and retention fall through the bottom of the, the floor. So he went around a bunch of operational leaders in his company and outside and just said, what do we need to build? You know, and they're like, well, we need to have engagement so that people feel like they're part of a team. Productivity has got to be high. There's got to be security and compliance. We've got to have training. Um, we need to be able to identify the future leaders of our floor because, you know, when everybody was on the floor, it was easy to identify leaders. They, they stand out. But when you don't have that engagement on a day to day basis, well, these contact centers started having to promote based off production reports. And, um, you know, not every great producer makes a great leader. So he kind of took all of that and he built CollaborationRoom.ai, which is, in short, it's a virtual contact center floor platform that allows your supervisors, managers, all the way up to the CEO to engage, manage, and train the remote or blended agents, just like you were sitting on the floor together. And then, you know, we had to incorporate some of that security stuff in there. So that's where the AI comes into place, um, you know, is to supplement some of the abilities and tools that we had when we were on the floor, but in a work from home environment. Like, for instance, you know, notifying a supervisor when the system sees one of these cell phones. I mean, not only are they productivity killers, but man, they take great pictures of data. And that's why they weren't allowed on a lot of contacts in our floors. And also, one of the scariest things for um, contact center leaders who are deploying in a work from home environment is, yeah, they might trust their employee completely, but they have no idea who else lives in that home. And that's scary because you might be, you know, as I look at my monitor right now, I could have financial information, I could have healthcare information. So all that sensitive data, they need to make sure that it's protected from others. So we 
incorporated some AI tools to make sure that essentially the supervisors, just like they would on the floor, if somebody randomly walked in off the street or if they saw an agent with a cell phone, they have the ability to, you know, mitigate that risk and, and take action. So that's kind of in a nutshell what we built, and it's called Collaboration Room. So not, <laughs> not in a nutshell. You yeah. said so many things. I said a lot. I said a lot. The, the so many of the conversations that that we're having out in the industry are around AI and mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> uh, first call resolution, call deflection, uh, operational intelligence. So much of it is about the service of customer experiences and what's interesting to me about collaboration room is i can see it on an entirely different perspective or vantage point where you're really addressing an overall change in our world yeah this idea of going back to the office you know i know a lot of people who are in this tug of war with their offices now. And I feel so grateful on that particular topic that I don't ever have to go or work anywhere I don't want to again. Mm -hmm. And those of us who have been given this, this pass to be in the new world, we look at this old way of doing things and we're like this, I can't, there's, there's just, there's a fundamental for me there's a fundamental there's a fundamental problem with going back to the office for no reason at all and and the reasons that they're giving us are not very strong so for you and your group to be tackling how do we make this new real real like this new reality for us let's 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 deal with it and i love that so I, I had a chance to see see your technology at the at CCW Austin, and and here was my take on it. You essentially, and you'll you'll need to to help me if where I'm missing things. But what I saw was on screen someone from within your or the the organization who has these these uh, these teams can look on a screen see everybody working as though they were walking the floor. But all of these people are at home doing their normal job in the energy and the headspace and the, the, the personal wellness that, that brings the best to their jobs in their own environments. You know, even though your AI is monitoring it, I don't, I, I suspect some of them are wearing their bunny slippers and being yeah. comfortable. So they're comfortable. But you're saying that in addition to all that, you have all these other things that make it, it makes it really work for a business. And, and I think that's an innovative approach. It's, it's completely out of bounds of what most people are doing just to make calls shorter. Yeah, we, there's a couple of things there that, to unpack. One is we're a company that believes that CX actually starts with EX. Uh, it starts with that employee experience. I know that we're implementing a lot of tools as an industry 
that are out there to replace agents. But some of the most impactful AI tools out there have been designed to augment agents, to help them, whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm, the AI is listening to the call and prompting them to do certain things and such. Well, what we tried to do was create an environment, like I said earlier, that mirrored the floor so that a supervisor sitting right here at their desk, looking at their monitor, would see in real time, now we're not recording it for privacy and security purposes, but we're live streaming in real time the video of their their team individual contact center agents, but also the monitors, monitor one, monitor two. So you look at a panel, you see the video of the agent, you see the video of their monitor one and monitor two. So just like on the floor, the supervisor has a full view of what's going on. Now, what a lot of contact centers saw in the remote work uh, world was first call resolution was going down because when these agents ran into trouble, they couldn't just raise their hand anymore and, you know, call their supervisor over. So we designed uh, functionality within the platform where a the agent can run into trouble, hits a button, it raises their hand, their supervisor sees it, they listen, they listen in on the call, and they can actually, they can be chatting with the agent and say, hey, put them on, you know, you know, do this, do that. Or they can say, just put the, the consumer on hold for a second they can initiate a private call through our platform that doesn't disrupt that call on hold. And the supervisor can say, hey, do this and do this, or let me have control of your mouse and keyboard, show them real quick what they need to do, and then get off that private call so they're right back with their with the consumer, and they can have those first call resolutions. Um, we, we just, you know, going back to what I said, we, we just believe that that true consumer experience, which let's face it, it is still today dominated by human beings. Now that may change in the future, but it's dominated by human beings right now. And we're making sure that those agents can get the real-time help that they need from their supervisor, the support that they need from their supervisor. And if their supervisor is not available, we're allowing them to access other people on their teams and other supervisors as well. So again, I, I hate to be redundant, but just like on the floor, where the agents really what benefited the agents the most on the floor was getting support. And from their standpoint, what we're doing is we're giving that back to them. I, I'm not going to mansplain. That was just so beautiful the way you described it. Tell me oh, about you. Tell me about why AI is in your name. Is it just a buzzword? Like I feel like I feel like it's such a distraction from what you're really doing, which is you're helping call centers, call center teams recognize a new, a new world way of doing their job. Yeah. You know, I, I think you have to have AI in your name is kind of like the cover charge to get onto any floor of any conference anymore. I mean, if you don't have AI in it, they're like, ah, you must be old news. No, we, you know, we put the AI in it. One, let's let's not be silly. It's a little bit of marketing because we do want to market the fact that we are a technology platform and that we have AI components. But we are not what I consider an AI platform. We are a, actually a very personalized platform between agents and supervisors with AI tools there to supplement the capabilities that the, the supervisor loses. Like, you know, when I talk to supervisors and I ask them, what was the number one tool you had when you were on the floor? Now, initially they always go to technology, but when I say, okay, forget technology, what was the number one tool? This was their eyes. 
They could see what was going on. They understood what was going on. They could see, you know, if somebody had a cell phone or if somebody wasn't in their seat, they could see the expression on somebody's face and understand if that call was going well or if it was going sideways and they could respond. So with the AI tools, you know, some of the important things, really some of the AI tools were designed so that we could give agents and supervisors privacy. And an example of that is backgrounds. So we allow them to have virtual and blurred backgrounds. And some of our clients initially might say, well, that kind of defeats the purpose. I want to see what's going on back there to make sure it's secure. That's where we let the AI come into play. The AI, even though I might have a virtual or blurred background, that's just what the people see. But that's not what the AI sees. The AI actually sees that entire room. And if somebody else is in that room can say, hey, supervisor, that room's not secure. You need to maybe reach out to that agent or, hey, I saw them with their cell phone and again, it's not secure. Reach out to them. So, yeah, we're not an AI platform. We're a we're a platform. We're a virtual contact center floor platform with AI features. So I don't know. I, I leave the AI off a lot when I talk to people. For one, it just really makes it hard. It's a long name. I just say collaboration room. Thank you for being so real and authentic. And getting off the script, because I, I, I understand what you're saying about the term, but when you use I, E-Y-E, in your description, I get excited, I get animated when I hear cool stuff, because that really is probably the biggest problem in the work-from-home scenario, is businesses can't see what their teams are doing. Mm -hmm. And you know... I think if we're being thoughtful, other agents can't see what's happening on the team either. So there's a little bit of a disconnect there. They don't feel like a part of the team. They don't have that engagement. And and I think the coolest thing about our platform, like I've seen other, I've seen other platforms that are monitoring platforms, meaning the agents know they're on camera, but they have no idea who the person behind the curtain is. They might be being recorded. They don't know. And that's an uncomfortable feeling for anybody. No one likes to be monitored. So I think the key for us is when an agent, first off, when the agent is in one of our virtual rooms, the main user interface that they see on their platform, the supervisor sees everybody all at once, and they can drill down on specific ones based off alerts or something that they see. But the agents, what they see is they see their supervisor. That's the main UI. Because when I talk to the agents and I ask them what their biggest hurdle is in working from home is they'll tell me, I never know when my supervisor is available to help me or not. I get into trouble. I maybe have somebody upset in my ear. I have somebody crying in my ear. I'm just trying to do the best thing. And right now, for the most part, they have like teams where they can shoot off some IM that they have no idea if that person's on the other side. So from our platform, they can look and they see, oh, there's my supervisor. Oh, even my manager, you know, our manager is in the room. And heck, you know, um, I see them. I can put a consumer on hold. I can initiate a call through the platform. I can chat with them. I can, if they're not available, then I can go to other people that are deemed as responsible parties to help me out or other teammates. It's, you know, just like, again, on the floor, I'd look around if my supervisor was gone, restroom, meeting, whatever, I would look to my team lead. I would look to another supervisor. And what we're trying to do is, is give them the ability to see who's there to help them as opposed to hoping someone's there to help them. All right. So love it. I love that it's a, it's, it is an actual collaboration between the supervisors and, and, and the frontline. 
So let me ask you this. You know, I recently have been covering a story that enables, hear me out. So hear me out, Jason. I'm going to hear you out, man. Fire on. Fire away. Technology where you could essentially have zero touch enrollment, send a hundred computers out into the field to agents and instantly fire up a hundred, 200, 500 person call center in any place in the world. And I go to a lot of third world markets to see where customer care is really um, taking shape. And, and, and it feels like if you had this, collaboration room on top of that, you almost could have a zero enrollment and zero infrastructure call center expansion wherever you wanted. Is that that exactly what you could happen? I mean, you know, look, there's all kinds of benefits into having remote contact centers. So there's really three contact centers out there real quick. One is the contact center who had everybody home during the pandemic and brought them back in and they've seen recruitment and retention just crumble in front of them. Then there's the contact centers who had everybody at home during the pandemic and brought them back. And they've, they, they have concerns or their clients have concerns depending on their, their business model about productivity, security, training, all of that. Then there are the contact centers who went hybrid. You know, you got to come in two or three days a week. Well, in my opinion, all they get is to experience all five of the pains I just mentioned every single day. They don't get the benefit of one or the other. Now, what we've seen is one other benefit is business continuity. So when you imagine you're a contact center and you're in, well, I was in Nashville a couple of weeks ago for a conference. Nash, Nashville was negative one degrees. They shut down the city for five days. What do you think the contact centers in that city did? Work from home. If they were all in office, well, if they didn't have that infrastructure that you do, uh, you just talked about where. So yeah. that's another thing right there is when you can send all this out, you can ramp up a contact center in a matter of days. And not only that, but you get the benefit of everything that I just told you about. And you don't have to worry about the productivity, security and compliance because that's what we help take care of. And now from a business continuity perspective, you just took away one of the biggest risks is something bad happening near your 100 to 10,000 seat contact center, you're dispersed. So yeah, there's there's companies that are springing, and that's the important thing that you brought up because when COVID happened, no one knew what they were doing. We didn't have technology. I mean, everybody, look, people were like, you know, beg borrowing and stealing just to get headsets. Yeah. We're four years past that. We've had an entire ecosystem of technology and services like you just talked about blossom around us. And so now these contact centers have a, a, the opportunity to do it right. They got they, they survived the first time. Now they got the opportunity to swing back around in this whole ecosystem of services and technology and do it right. They get to lower their overhead costs because they don't have that real estate capital anymore. They get business continuity. They can recruit from anywhere in the world. I was talking to one of my clients over in India today, and he's like, he's like, I just found a, a, a new competitor for my agents. I'm like, really? Somebody, you know, open up a contact center near you? He's like, no, South Africa. They're recruiting Indian agents in South Africa. Yeah. So we've broken down all the geographic barriers now. 
and people were spreading out all over the world. One of my clients was like, look, I'm a healthcare contact center. And before they were in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, I always say, I got my Hoosier accent comes out with certain words, Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin. Um, and, uh, he's like, you know, we'd have people from Northern Wisconsin talking to people from Georgia and Alabama and that communication didn't always work out. He's like, now we just hire people in Georgia and Alabama, Texas. So we focus all of that there. So, I mean, look, I'm not saying that remote work is for every single contact center out there. But those who may not have had a great experience before have an opportunity now with services like you just talked about, platforms like ours and others that are springing up where you can more than make it work. You can make it thrive. Yeah. I I, I think that there's another thing we didn't touch on, which is there is there is a a certain level of drama in an office environment in terms of politics, how people get along, people comparing their performance to others. There is a lot of that, and a lot of times when you have a work from home environment or a, a virtual environment where you can just have the conversations that matter, it really creates a better culture. And I think it impacts productivity and happiness and mental health. I know that I remember when I used to go back into the office and I don't get me wrong. I worked in fancy offices and big cities <laughs> with great corporations, but it didn't matter. The minute you got off the elevator, you knew there was a target on your back by someone. Something. Somebody had some drama. Somebody couldn't wait to see you again. <laughs> and I think you're working from home and you're like, I just get my work done. My calls are great. I get a lot of tickets done. I do a lot of transactions and I am my my supervisor recognizes it and I'm really being I can invest in my own performance more than worrying about somebody saying I'm not doing a good job because of this call, for instance. You know, it's interesting that you brought it up. It's not something that I usually talk about, but it does remind me of a conversation I did have with one of my client supervisors and just talking about what, you know, what they thought of being in the office. And he had a, he had a slew of reasons why he wanted to work from home, a slew of them and very common ones. But he brought up that he's like, look, do you know how much less drama I have to deal with? Like 50% of my day, sometimes he felt like I was, you know, argue, you know, like, stopping arguments between other agents or other supervisors. And he's like, I, I, I don't feel that anymore. I don't have that, that drama. And like me, I'm allergic to two things in life, Dennis. Starch, it makes me itch, and drama. I, like, I do my best to avoid both of those things. <laughs> really, both make me itch. I, I, think high, I get hives from both of them. And he just said, look, I, I, I don't deal with it. And I, I totally had forgotten about that story until you just brought it up. Because, yeah, let's face it. There's a lot of office politics that go on and you really reduce uh, in the work from home. It's like, you know, um, we're more excited to see each other when we do see each other as opposed to seeing each other every day. It's true. And and the reason I like this story, Jason, thank you for to sharing this story with me is this isn't for me. I, for, I, I'm not discounting you for collaboration, but for me, yeah. this isn't a story about a technological solution. 
this isn't a story about operational success or 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 any of those typical problem solution market fits for me you really represent a pioneering of doing business in a contemporary way and so much not to let this guy go to you guys's head but you know uber they just said People are tired of doing it this way, and we're going to yeah. go out and we're going to try to do it this other way. Now, you could people could make their own judgments about their profitability, their plan, or whatever. Sure. But the recognition of a new kind of world we live in, and the the courage to try to fit into this new world, it's true innovation. You know, I always say. People love innovation, but they hate change. And, yeah. and so when you have the, the, the gumption to go out there and try to make this new reality happen, I really admire that. How long have you guys been doing this now? How long is this since the patent? When, is, it, is it fully mature? Is it half-baked? Where are we going yeah. with this? Well, I tell you... Uh, the, the the company launched in September of 21. That's when Samir sold his first client. And for the next year, he was the CIO of a major contact center. And he was just kind of selling it to friends and family in the industry. You know, he never really realized the potential. And then his company got bought by a much larger uh, contact center um, company. And he was faced with a couple of decisions. Do I go work from that or do I try to turn this into to the dream. And he really felt that there was something here because look, he, he's a big proponent of, we as human beings are very tribal people. We need other people around us, whether we're working from home. Some people say, well, the introverts don't. I disagree. They just don't need people as much, but they still need people. And he decided to make it his, his you know, turn it into something that he wanted to do every day. So in, uh, he was a client of mine for years and he called me in June. Well, he called me in August of 22 and said, Hey, I've got this idea. I was like, ah, it sounds like teams. I'm not going to try to compete against Microsoft. <laughs> and then he showed it to me in, in October. And I, 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 I it was changing uh, jobs at the time. And I went out and I told my wife, I was like, I, I think I'm done with my job search. And she's like, I thought you had four more meetings. Um, and I said, no, I, I, I'm done. I've just canceled the other ones. And she's like, why? I was like, well, it's work from home technology. And I had, when he showed it to me, I had a little bit of PTSD, not to overuse that term for the people who were really going through it. But when COVID struck, I had always been an office worker, always. As a matter of fact, I bought a house, like, you know, if you look Northeast or Southeast right over there, my old office was a mile away. I can still see it from my window. I went into the office. And then all of a sudden I was working from home and I didn't, I didn't respond very well. I was sad, lonely. You know, I, 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 I was working in data science and machine learning. So it's a very technical scientific world that I was in. And I all of a sudden was just sitting here with my dogs and, you know, now and then my wife. And it took me about six to nine months to really learn how to work from home. And I just thought to myself, had our company had this for training and for uh, uh, you know meetings and for production 
And we weren't even a contact center, but we would have probably just used it somewhere. I mean, this is designed for contact centers, but I was just, and I thought, you know, I, if I could use this, there's got to be thousands of other people out there that could benefit from this. So I decided to take a chance and I joined him in January. Now, the patent that we just got uh, approved for, um, that that was something that Samir started like two and a half years ago. For any of your listeners out there who've ever tried to apply for a patent, they do not make it easy. No, they don't. It is a long, grueling process. And as a matter of fact, when he told me about the patent, he's like, I doubt we get it, but you know what? I'm, I'm taking my shot at it. So the patent is this. You know, Teams, Zoom, the most of the meeting uh, platforms we're used to, you can have multiple videos streaming at once, but you can only share one person's monitor at the time. Well, with our platform, because we needed the ability to see everybody's monitors and videos at once, we can stream multiple videos, multiple monitors all at once. And we have created an environment where that bandwidth does not crush our clients, uh, you know, internet pipes and such like that. We've developed some things in there to kind of load balance and such and pull back on the streaming quality and then enhance it when needed. And uh, so, yeah, we've got, you know, we're, we're still in our maturing phase. We've got about 60 clients right now, but I would say 40 of them have come in the last six months as people finally came to the conclusion that work from home for contact centers was here to stay and they needed to figure out how to manage differently and engage differently. And then, you know, we've got, that was our main use case, Dennis, but we had two new use cases we didn't ex expect. We've got clients using our platform in the office. So on the contact center floor, so that supervisors can kind of just sit there and manage more from their desks instead of ro running all around. And then finally, the other one that we, we didn't expect is, you know, a lot of people are outsourcing is becoming more and more prevalent. BPOs are expanding their business models all over the place. And what happens is one of the biggest prohibitors of a sales process for a BPO is trust. You're talking about a financial institution or a healthcare company or, or something along those lines, turning over the reins to their business to somebody that they may or may not know that well and in a country that they may or may not know that well either. Well, what they're doing is that bank or that hospital or what have you, they will put the BPO agents on our platform and then put one of the hospital or bank supervisors in there with them so that they can not only audit the work that's going on, but they can be there to support those BPO agents when they have questions and concerns. And so they, the BPO truly becomes an extension of the client's contact center, as opposed to the separate entity that we talk about as this like ghost in the so, uh, in this world. So you're you're basically saying that if if a BPO uses collaboration room, they can surface a, a a window into the headquarters of the brand, and the brand people can walk basically walk the floor of the call center twenty four hours a day and see all the screens and monitor. Like, and when I say monitor, people are not monitoring the way we think. They're managing. They're managing. They're managing. They want to feel yeah. comfortable. Yeah that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. So imagine you're, you're a BPO agent in Southeast Asia or Africa or South America, and you're sitting there and you look up at your screen and you see the supervisor for the brand who might be sitting in Chicago 
and you're talking to a consumer and you have a question and you just hit a button that raises your hand and either your supervisor or the, the brand supervisor can say, oh, I got this and communicate with them, show them what they need to do. Because not only are they they're, they're, they're talking the brand's language, they're using the brand's uh, tel, you know, technology platforms. So just like a contact center who's working for uh, agent who's working for the brand, these BPOs are gonna, agents are going to have questions, if not more, because they're not around to hear all of the you know the water cooler talk, like oh you got to do this or. So yeah. now we are taking that CX for that for that brand and giving them the opportunity to enhance it with the outsourced agents to a level that they never have been able to before. They've always had to be reactionary listening to calls, coming back after the fact and saying, ah, oh, they shouldn't do this or they shouldn't do that. Now they can be sitting there listening to that call, watching that agent move around on the monitor and either chat with them or give them a, a private call and say, look, you're doing this wrong. You need to do it this way. Bro, this, I mean, I was excited before we started talking in depth. I can see, I mean, I want to take this everywhere in the world to every call center I've ever been in contact with because the it's not just the work from home. It's the no. office outside of the office for the corporation that's using. It's virtual, virtual. It's, it's multiple steps of embracing the new world of collaboration. And I want to, I, I want to digress. I want to switch yeah. gears. Digress. Just, I love when people digress. Let's do it. <laughs> here's, the, here's what was going through my mind the whole time that you were talking. Have you have you ever played video games? Like, are you a video gamer guy? Not, not now, but I tell you what, nobody loved their Atari or Nintendo more than I did. Okay, well, that was a little, that's a little <laughs> mine. So, the reason I say that is I was, I was a big gamer. Okay, and uh, I played a lot of a lot of games, and my children play video games. Just, just as a little side note, I represented the United States against Great Britain and Switzerland in the first World Quake tournaments. Wow. So, anyway, that was a long time ago. But my point is, even then, one of the things that was such an eye opener those twenty years ago is my buddy and I. And my buddy and my buddy and my buddy and my buddy and I could all be on the same screens fighting in the same uh, situation, executing strategy, tactical planning, real-time reactions, and this type of competitive team play on, on computers has gotten so much better. Oh, yes. And it's so like – it makes what I was doing more like Atari. But still, the, 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 the reason I say that is – your modern worker is used to being on screens. They're used to being on screens with multiple people. And in their play, it's so much more advanced. People are in the headsets of each other with 50 other people, and they're working in a collaborative, coordinated way. And, and that just really hasn't translated to the workplace yet until something like you're describing and what's interesting to me is my kids, they're, they, they would jump on collaboration room and it would be like a fish in water. They would just get it and it would be, in fact, if you had to tell them, no, bro, 
you got to actually stop what you're doing and initiate a time to connect with another person, to <laughs> have a conversation with them, to accomplish your job. They would just, they'd be like, so maybe I should fax them. Maybe I should send a letter through the mail. Like this, this idea of active real-time collaboration in, in the environment, the way you're delivering it is just, it's inspiring me to no end. I'm you know, it, it's interesting though. It's interesting because one of the, now it is changing quickly, but one of the toughest obstacles to marketing our platform is the perception that the platform might be intrusive or big brother. They're like, well, these people are working at home and I'm putting a camera on them. I'm like, well, one, most of these agents, just like you said, are extremely used to this type of environment. And two, I, I like to ask them sometimes about the contact center floor. They're like, well, you have a camera. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not recording anything. They're like, okay. And I'm giving them blurred backgrounds and virtual backgrounds. They're like, okay, but that feels intrusive. I'm like, well, let me talk about your floor. You know, when I when I was like, close your eyes and walk around the floor. How many cameras did you have around on the floor? And they're like, every corner. And I'll, why? Well, our clients mandated it for security and compliance or our regulators, if I'm in financial or healthcare, mandated. All right, all right. Did they record every th single thing those guys did? Did those guys ever complain about those cameras? No, they did not. So I'm like, look, we're taking one camera that they're very used to, turning it on, giving them virtual backgrounds, and you think that's intrusive, but the, again, on the floor, you had cameras all around you recording every single step and they never complained about that. So I think perception is something for the, you know, for contact center leaders tend to be a little older like me. I'm, my next birthday is 50. And their perception is my agents will hate it. Here's the thing. I've been all over the world, Central America, South Africa, the Middle East, the United States, talking to call center agents in their homes. And this idea that your technology would be intrusive, I just, I just want to say, I don't, I don't know where that really, I don't know who's getting that. I mean, you're talking that it's not true, but I've seen it. These agents who are working from home in these other countries, they have just like me and you. They've got a little office. I've been in Africa where the, these. These call center agents, one of them has a little she shed in the back of her house that just is a separate room. They're, they set these environments up to work in. It's not like they're working on their couch or, or in, in their bedroom. They have a desk. They have a space. They're there to work. You know, this idea that um, and, and maybe maybe it's an age uh, threshold of understanding of technology. But back to your point, my children, when they have to even do their their school tests and they're proctored remotely, they go to the dining room table. They sit. They're not they people. I don't th I think it's I I get a little animated about it because I don't think I want to be a voice of agents are professional. They're there to help. They are they are actively engaged in solving problems. These are not the people who are trying to come up with reasons no, you know? Yeah. That's just a yeah, person. Yeah, I and I agree with you. And and you know, the agents will tell you, one, within a couple of days, they 
almost always forget that it's there until they need it. It's not like it's a Zoom call or like what we're on right now. It falls back and gets minimized. And for the eight, you know, the supervisor might have it up all day long on their second monitor or something like that. But the agents, it falls back while they're doing their work. And then when they need it, when they need somebody's help or when they need to engage with somebody, they bring it forward and they go, ah, here's my supervisor. Hey, Soup, I got a question, you know, and as opposed to what happens often in a support situation is the agent's got to go through the whole call, get done with the call, reach out to their supervisor and say, look, I, I ran into this problem. Then they got to start like a team's meeting, try to recreate the problem that they had and all that. That stuff should be happening in real time without interrupting a call. And these the, the agents today, they'll tell you that one of the one of the things they love the most about it is the management. But in their minds, they get to manage their supervisors. Exactly. Now they get to look right there and say, you know, I see my supervisor and my, I know my supervisor sees me, but I'm making sure my supervisor's still working hard for me, you, you know? know, and it goes Jason, both ways. That's the, that's the two way street. Jason, I was just thinking, we call that multiplayer. There's a there different <laughs> multiplayer contact centers. All right. Well, Jason, it's been so great to talk to you. I think one of the questions that I try to ask people when I'm following these stories is, mm -hmm. yes, you're innovative, but innovation is an ongoing process. It's not a finish line. What are, mm -hmm. what are you doing as a group to stay Stay fit and innovative over the next few years. Well, the number one thing that we're doing is listening. That's what we're doing the most. Um, you know, we we consider ourselves, we made up a term. We call ourselves a CDR. We're a client-driven roadmap. We don't consider ourselves to be the smartest people in all the world. We came, you know, our Samir came up with a great idea. But even when clients come on board, like, I, I keep an ongoing notepad over here during my demonstrations with prospective clients or partners, or uh, once a client comes on board, we have weekly calls for about the first month, you know, and then it goes to every two weeks, but they, they typically don't go out any further than at least once a month. And we're constantly asking for feedback from the agents, from the supervisors, all the way up to the C-level and just saying, what do you need? And what I love about our culture is I've worked for enterprise-wide software companies before where the client ideas went to this big black hole and that's where they stayed. They didn't, they didn't really get surfaced unless the client was willing to pay to get something done that they wanted. And so what we do is we listen and we respond. Um, we, we will, you know, if a client comes up with a great idea, like we had one client, uh, it's a quick story. I won't take too long. They're not even a client. They were a prospect. And they're one of the larger contact centers in the world. And they said, look, one of the issues from a security standpoint that we ran into is we hired a, an agent. And that agent came to the training and came to the, the, the team meetings. But that agent, we found out, we weren't the only contact center that that agent worked for. And the way that this agent was doing it was the agent was actually outsourcing their job. So they had 10 contact center jobs. They would show up to the training and the meetings. And then they would outsource that to other people in other countries. You know, it's brilliant if you ask me. I mean, <laughs> but what they said was, how do how do we how do we make sure? And we're like, well, we have videos, and they're like, yeah, but we 
we don't, you know, we have too many agents to do that with. So we, within two months, spec'd out, built, and implemented a facial recognition platform to where when the agent logs in the first time, now not every client has to use this, but this is for these large ones out there that have a concern about this. When the agent logs in the first time, it does a quick scan of their face. We don't keep the pictures because we don't want to keep any data. We just scan their face, ones and zeros. And then it sends that to the supervisor and the supervisor can compare that to the, the picture that they were hired with and says, yep, that's him and approves it. And then now from that, from that point on, whenever that agent's in the production environment, once a minute, we're scanning their face and we're just letting them, we're, we're, we're alerting them that, hey, the supervisor, this is the person that you hired. And then it's on the extreme side of the security. But it's, again, we're responding to new concerns, new security threats that might come up and quickly turning those around and responding to them. And that's important because some of these companies out there, and I, I've had to use some of them myself, you give them a great idea and you hear that, oh, that's a great idea. We'll, we'll put that on the list. And then you never hear about it again. So that's what we're doing. We're listening and we're responding. That's fair enough. And I love that you have these other advancing technologies. Jason, thank you so much for sharing your story with me. I feel like I want to get, I feel like there's a couple of other stories I want to get. So let's keep this conversation going. It might be fun to talk to Samir. I don't know. Do, do you have a head technologist? Uh, well, that would probably be Samir. We have a chief product officer, but at the end of the day, Samir is the man. Uh, I love what you know, we, we, probably too much of it, but we will actually end calls. We, we've known each other for years, but we really just got to know each other working together. And we'll end some calls, man, with, hey, I love you, man. And I love you too. Because that's what happens when you work in a you know a startup style environment. Of course it is. We do the same thing. I do, I have, I don't know. It just might be our generation. Maybe we're, yeah. our parents were hippies. I don't know. But I, I had the same thing. I had the same I, thing. But yeah, we, he is, he is the chief guy. He is the one that, you know, look, he was the CIO for a contact center. Everything we build, he looks at and says, would would somebody in my position at a contact center want and need? Yeah. And how would they want to use it? So he is kind of the designer of everything. So if you ever want to talk to Samir, we can make that happen for you. It sounds like, you know, uh, honest DNA of innovation is happening yeah. there. Jason, thank you so much. I could talk to you forever. I'm going to hit stop now, but thank you for being on CX in the Wild. Thank you so much, Dennis. I've had a great time. And anytime you want me back or, or Samir, anybody like that, you just say the word, buddy. All right. We'll do it.